Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Gemma, good morning. Gemma, good to have you here this morning. What are you thankful for this morning? I am thankful for a concert that I'm going to tonight. Oh, Actually, cool. Yeah, I won tickets. Really? For free. I entered a Facebook, Instagram thing. All I had to do was like reshare the post that they were coming to Australia and they were going to be in Newcastle and Melbourne and Sydney and choose which town I'd so like those to go are, to. Those and I are, won. So those things are actually those a thing. Those things are actually, well, some of them. I'm not going to say all of them because there are probably some scams out there. But mine wasn't I've seen and so I many won of them, tickets. Like, share this five times and you're in the running to win. Da, 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 and I'm like, yeah. But yeah, no, I actually won. So I'm going to see Rend Collective tonight. They're an awesome Christian band. From yes. Ireland, so they're they here in Australia. And here, I think. Yep. Yes, so super keen. That's, That's amazing. That's very I know, exciting. I'm so excited. What are you thankful for today? Being here. Yeah, my other thankfulness was that you're back, but you're kind of dying <laughs> kind of, as well. Kind, so. of, kind of half dead, but um, <clears throat> not as half dead as I was yesterday. <laughs> That's good. So I am thankful this morning that even though my throat is pretty croaky and I might sound a little bit off and you might hear me coughing in the background every now and then, that... I am not as bad as I was yesterday. Really? Because, okay. Oh, you must have been shocking yesterday. Nothing like as bad as I was yesterday. <laughs> and yesterday, I wasn't as bad as the day before. Okay, good. So, I think Sunday was possibly my low day. Well, you had the weekend to recover. Yeah, yeah thankfully. You took, fr- took Friday off so thankfully. that you could recover on Friday the weekend. Friday and Monday gave me a good, good crack at it. Darren and I had some fun without you while you were gone. That's against the rules. No fun is allowed? No, not while I'm not here. Oh, I'm sorry <clears> then. <throat> I think um, I think uh, I'm going to have to take disciplinary action. <laughs> no fun is allowed while Lyle is not in the studio. There's a law against that. Oh. <coughs> Second Opinions, chapter ten, verse seventeen, <coughs> and also the book of Hezekiah. Glad it's biblically based, biblically yes, founded. Of course, that's right. <laughs> This is a reminder, you're listening to the Delayed Broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Now we're going to listen to Rend Collective <laughs> with My Lighthouse. In my wrestling and in my doubts In my failures you won't walk out Your great love will lead me through You are the peace in my troubled sea Whoa, You are the peace in my troubled sea In the silence you won't let go Questions your truth will hold Your great love will lead me through You are the peace in my troubled sea Whoa, You are the peace in my troubled sea My lighthouse, my lighthouse Shining in the darkness Just show up. 
Welcome back, everybody. That was Rend Collective with My Lighthouse. And, of course, uh, Gemma is off to the Rend Collective concert. So I'm going to get to see them do that live tonight. You will indeed. Oh, I'm so excited. That'll be amazing. It's going to be good. Yeah, I didn't even know they were coming to Australia. I'm pumped. I'm excited. That's how I've been living under a... I live (laughs) under a musical rock. (laughs) That's why I'm here. Yeah. I'm here to help. My wife, Shell, is nodding her head. Dig you out of that rock. That's right. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, so uh, what have we got in positively different news? I would like to talk about sleep. Because sleep is a very important thing and I don't get enough of it. So... How How much of that do you get? Sleep? Oh... Not a lot, which is a bad thing, but and that's not good news. But I'm going to talk to talk about some good news to do with sleep. But we have to do the quiz first, okay? Because I like today's quiz, and it is a Who Am I quiz. And the first question is: I said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. So you're trying to figure out who said that. Which quote is that from? Who is thinking? Nah, I'm he's, not thinking. He's making notes. Oh, he already knows. He doesn't need to think. Yeah, okay. I can just tell by the first letter. You didn't even have to write out the whole name. I know that you got it. Yep. <coughs> yep. Okay, fine. Well done. But if you know what the answer is, give us a call. 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can send us a text on 0491-064-669 and you will get a prize that I pick, which I haven't done yet. But I'm going to. I'll pick a prize and it will be yours if you know what the answer is. And it will be amazing because all of our prizes are amazing. Easy. Too easy. Indeed. <clears throat> okay, so what else is happening around the world, Gemma? Back to sleep. I'm talking about sleep. Back to sleep. Yeah. So Let's I, go back to sleep. <laughs> I drove to Kingscliff on Sunday. That's about what? Eight hours. Eight hours, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Decent drive. Um, and I spent Monday morning up there, hanging out, catching up with some people and sat in on some classes from the Arise program that's happening up there at the moment, uh-huh. uh, which is a discipleship school, and then I drove back yesterday. Okay. And that was a long drive. Eight hours back yesterday. Yeah, so it was, you know, a lot of hours driving over the space of two days. So you drove eight hours <laughs> to hang out for what, three, four hours? Well, I got there at 7.30, six hours. Six hours? Yeah, I spent six hours. We had breakfast, sat in on some classes, had lunch, and then I left after lunch. So, how many of your best mates are there at the moment that you went to see? Oh, just a couple of people that I know. Probably about four or five people that are doing the program. It makes it worthwhile. Ty Gibson was talking, was really cool. The food was fantastic. Excellent vegan food, like the best vegan food I've ever had. Anna is an amazing cook. Yep. The whole Kingscliff crew is just really good. It was it was a fun time. But my point was, I did a lot of driving, which means I didn't get a lot of sleep. Okay. And I was up there and I was like, oh, I, I'm, you know, I'm doing radio now. I get up really early and, you know, I've got to get up early tomorrow to get to Kingscliff. And like, oh, I need to, I need to be more of a morning person because I'm just not a morning person. And my friend was like, you should check out this website. And it's called sleepytime.com. Right. So I Googled it and I was like, what does this website help me do? And when you when you Google this website, you chuck in what time and what minute that you need to get up. And then the website will tell you what time you should go to bed because it calculates the hours and the minutes of sleep that you need. And tells you what time you should go to sleep in order that you can get up on time without uh, breaking your sleep cycle. <coughs> um, Gemma. Yeah. Uh, did you know that um, you don't need this? You're actually creative. I know. With I know. I know. Fingers. 
Yeah, okay, I know. There's like, I can math. Got, I could you've count. Got ten, you've got 10 fingers, Yeah, thank right? you. Yeah. Okay. So, the way it works is- oh, You're so sassy. Yeah. <laughs> you've got 10 fingers. Uh-huh. You need eight hours sleep. So, this means that when you figure out when, when you need to get up in the morning- No, 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 no. But here's the thing. No, 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 backwards no, 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 I know that you have to get eight hours sleep. Yeah. I know that. But the uh, point is... Does, does daylight saving confuse uh, you? No, I didn't even cross daylight. Let me let me share the story. <laughs> I'm, uh, the point is, like, I struggle to be a morning person. I struggle to get up in the morning because I have eight hours sleep, but I still wake up, you know, feeling very lethargic and, and not awake. Whereas some people, they can wake up after eight hours sleep and they feel great. The logic behind it is your sleep cycle patterns and what the there's like a certain amount of hours and minutes that you should spend sleeping so that when you do wake up you f- you know you feel okay when you wake up not you know still tired when you wake up even if you've had 8 hours sleep or yes, not and what this website does is it calculates your sleep cycle patterns and tells you what time you should go to bed to achieve the right amount of hours of sleep so that you're not waking up in the middle of a sleep cycle it's a really easy way to calculate it with, you, with your fingers counting to well, eight. Well, th- there's that as well. But also, you've got to remember that the hours before midnight are worth double the ones after midnight. That's a myth. No, it's not. It's actually a thing. According to... I did some research. According to the Sleep Foundation... Oh, don't roll your eyes at blah, me. I can, blah, blah, You can't see him, but he's rolling his eyes and shaking his head, okay? I did research. While I did research... Do you want to hear okay, what I got? Okay, let your research. Do you want to hear my... Okay, thank you. So, according to the Sleep Foundation... Uh, you need, as an adult, 18 plus, seven to nine hours of sleep, which we already knew. You said eight hours. We need eight hours of sleep. Um, and we know that because the the downside to not sleeping, like sleep deprivation, they've done a couple of different studies and things like that about what can happen when you don't sleep. But um, the most famous sleep deprivation experiment that happened um, happened in 1964 when a Californian high school student named Randy Gardner decided to stay awake for a science school project. And he stayed awake for 262 hours, which is right. like 11 and a half days okay. without sleep. Yee. Yeah, 11 and a half days without sleep, just for fun, for a school science experiment. And he's the Guinness World Records holder um, for the longest time without sleep. Um, but he went a little nuts. He started hallucinating. Uh, he got paranoid. Um Started seeing things and couldn't speak, was slurring words, and it was just not a good time for him. It's never, never wise thing to do. Yeah. So, we should sleep. My point is, we should sleep. Indeed, we should sleep. But I really struggle because I'm definitely not a morning person. So, I tested it. But my friend was like, oh, you should test this thing and, you, <laughs> you know, know the whole morning count person. exactly out how many hours that you need and then go to bed at what time you need to and then get up according to, you know, whatever time you need to. And I did that and I felt great. That's good. That's excellent. I feel like you're still sceptical. You're always sceptical about my news <clears throat> stories. No, well, no, no, no. The <laughs> morning person, evening person is a choice. It is not a choice. No, it's a choice. It's so not. There is nothing biological about it. I go to bed at a reasonable hour and I have to get up at quarter past five in order to be ready and functioning for the day to uh-huh. make it to radio on time. Yep. And that's really hard. I don't like getting up that early. Me either, but it's still a choice. Yeah, but... Being a morning person or an evening person is a choice. There's, there's no bio- biology to it. There's no such thing as a morning person, evening person gene. 
You've got to make that choice. Like, I'm going to be a morning person. And it's going to take you maybe a year to get into it, but you will get into it. Yeah, but that's the thing. It takes takes a year. So clearly there's something about not yes. being a morning person it's the way that your you brain have to is, get over. Your, it's the way your brain has wired itself because when you continually do the same thing, what happens is that your brain creates shortcuts. So in your brain, you've got all of these connections, and when you make a decision about something, it will connect from one part of your brain to another via a whole bunch of different wires, basically, Mm. and connections in between. Now, the more you do the same thing, the more, the shorter, the the, basically what your brain does is it creates a shortcut between point A and point B, Mm -hmm. and then the more you do that, the bigger that wire becomes yeah, so that wire that new pathways. it, it, it will yeah. grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And so you've got what uh, 20 years, I don't know, of uh, of choosing to be a evening person. And so that evening person wire is pretty heavy. Yeah. But if you make a decision, so I need to reset my brain. Yeah. Yep. You just got to rewire it. It's going to take some time. It does. About a year, hey. Ah, uh, maybe they say, what, um, 30 days to make a new habit, so it'll be a new habit in 30 days. And okay, then, uh, so if I keep doing so you, radio for 30 days yeah. and keep showing up on time and not late like I did this morning, just, then everything will be fine. Just talk to Monica. <laughs> Monica, you know, she was hosting here for, uh, what, a year and a half, mm. and she was um, definitely an evening person, and mm. she became a morning person. She was loving it. Cool, definitely. And her brain just rewired itself, and she was up and running. Well, definitely something that I need to do. <clears throat> yeah. But I still maintain that sleep before midnight mm. is worth twice what it is after midnight, and you won't change my mind on that. Okay, fine. But still, if, you're, a, if you have trouble sleeping or don't feel like you've had yes. enough sleep- Go to this website. Yep. Stick to a sleep schedule, uh, exercise yes. daily, make sure the room's not too hot, not too cold, not too light, not too dark. Well, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter if it's too dark, but comfortable mattress, comfortable pillow. Yeah. Get some good sleep. Absolutely. Bad things happen when you don't sleep. This is Don Francisco. I don't care where you've been sleeping. I loved you long before the time your eyes first saw the day. And everything I've done has been to help you on the way. But you took all that you wanted And then at last you took your leave Traded off a kingdom For the lies that you've believed And although you've chosen darkness With its miseries and fears Although you've gone so far from me And wasted all these years Even though my name's been spattered by the mire in which you lie I'd take you back this instant if you turn to me and cry I don't care where you've been sleeping I don't care who's made your bed I already gave my life to set you free There's no sin you could imagine that is stronger than my love And it's all yours if you'll come home again to me And when you've come back to your senses 
and you see who's been to blame. Remember all the good things that were yours with just my name. Then don't waste another thought before you change the way you're bound. I'll be running out to meet you if you'll only turn around. Turn around. I don't care where you've been sleeping. I don't care who's made your bed. I already gave my life to set you free. There's no sin you could imagine that is stronger than my love. It's all yours if you'll come home again to me. I don't care where you've been sleeping. I don't care who's made your bed. I already gave my life to set you free. There's no sin you could imagine that is stronger than my love. And it's all yours if you'll come home again. Welcome back, everybody. That was Don Francisco with I Don't Care Where You've Been Sleeping. <clears throat> Interesting title for a song. Yeah. Go and read that title and go, okay, where's that going to go? But it end up, ends up going a good place. But well done, Producer Shell, because it tied in perfectly with what we were talking about. Yeah, I'm, I just gave her a challenge to see if you can find <laughs> something that ties in with, uh, with my piece. She's done such an exceptional job so far this morning with just uh, finding the right songs to tie in. But anyway... Ah, Gemma, next clue for our quiz. The next clue for the quiz is, Who am I? I was fishing with Peter and the others when Jesus appeared and said, Friends, haven't you any fish? Okay, so one of 12 right there. Narrows it down. Narrows it down a little bit. Your options of getting this are good. And the prize we have for you today is the CD, because we've been talking about music and my concert for tonight, and I figured we'd give away a CD. So the CD that we're going to give to you, if you can tell us what the answer is, is for such a time. This is a children's CD. It's got amazing songs written by uh, local people that have uh, come together and written their own original music and put it together for you. So if you know what the answer is, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, or send us a text, 0491-064-669, and the prize will be yours. There you go. There you go. All right. So you've got a prize coming your way, if you can answer that one. Of course, this is the disciple who called Jesus Rabbi mm. in the Bible. Yes. Recorded in the Bible. I think they all called him Rabbi, but in the Bible, that's how it's recorded. <laughs> Anyway, heading to more serious news from around the world. Um, daily Corona update. Um, <clears throat> where are we up to? Where have we come to since I was last here? Did you guys do a daily Corona update while I was away? I did. You did? Oh, good. Very good. Okay, so, so far the death toll is uh, pushing towards 1,800 um, with 70,500 infected uh, people, mm. uh, the infection rate has started to climb again after two days of decline, and um, but the death rate has started to decrease. Um, what's interesting about the coronavirus is that uh, it has placed 24 million people into home detention. Whoa! That's the population of Australia. That's huge. That has been refused permission. One family member can leave the house once every three days. Whoa. 
for like the entire population of Australia. That's massive. That's huge. And what that's doing is that it's having a ripple-down effect on various economies, yeah. particularly economies that rely heavily on you know, China and very, very closely uh, connected to China. So Japan is the third largest economy in the world. And they're heading into recession, along with Singapore. Now, Singapore, of course, they have uh, an indigenous outbreak of coronavirus. Yep. Along with France, those um, two countries have indigenous outbreaks. And what they're, what they're really saying now is that China's actions with the coronavirus have bought us time. Hmm. And it really comes down to what we do with that time because it's inevitable that it does escape out of China. It's escaped in these two countries and it will escape into many other countries yeah. in the coming days and weeks. <clears throat> and that sort of gives us a chance to uh, to buy some time and to get ahead of it. And yeah, to, set to be ourselves, ready. Yeah, yeah. To, be, to, to set ourselves up for it, to gear up for it basically. Um, <clears throat> because containing something like that, you know, when it begins in such a populous uh, country as China is going to be, you know, well-nigh impossible. Mm. So, yeah, we definitely need to uh, be thinking and praying about um, the coronavirus outbreak. It does have the potential to wipe out, you know, to kill several million people. Yeah. You know, the estimates are up around, you know, 18, 20 million mark. Yeah, and it's already spread. If it, if it, if it uh, really does spread significantly. <clears throat> and so while it only has a relatively low mortality rate compared to some other deadly viruses, that's still a big number because it's so infectious. Okay, we probably should mention, uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this story next uh, because I thought it was interesting. Muslims in the United States are celebrating 100 years since Muslim missionaries arrived in the U.S. Wow. Okay. Now, I would have thought with a country as old huh. as the U.S. and a country with a history of religious liberty like the U.S. has, that that would have been the case a lot, lot, lot further back than 100 years ago. Yeah. I was like, that's not a very long period of time. The first mosque was built in the United States in 1921. Oh, wow. That's pretty recent. I thought it would have been way earlier than that. Me too. So, I did a bit of digging and a bit of history. Guess when the first mosque was built here in Australia? Oh, I don't know. Take a guess. Well, I mean, we, we got here at, what, 1900, 1901, so yes. definitely after 1920. <clears throat> First mosque was built in Australia in 1861. What? And there is one in Adelaide that is still in use uh, today that was built in 1888. What? Yes. So, yes, we became a country in 1901, but, um, of course, we were here for about 100 years before that, you know, as obviously a colony. Wow. And, and that early on into the colonies, they yeah, built yeah, a we, mosque. We, we, wow. had, we had mosques here in Australia way before they had them in America. Huh. And America's been around since like the 1500s. The I'm very surprised by that. The first wow. Muslim the first Muslim, Muslim, is recorded as arriving in America in 1528. And they didn't get a mosque until 1921. They didn't get a mosque until 1921. Huh. Yeah, it was super interesting. Um, <coughs> but we had them here before we became a, like an official country. I suppose. Yeah, while we were a colony, well, we had because um, wow. we employed we employed um, camel drivers out of Afghanistan. And they go came, figure came out and they built themselves mosques. And well, there you go. We actually had mosques all over the uh, all over the country. So we beat the USA towns. in something. Yeah, because <laughs> when I read that, I'm like 1921. That can't be possible. I know that I know that we've had them here since the 1800s uh, because I just did a trip through the outback um, last July. And you know, read some of the history of the, of you know the mosques that used to live out there that used to exist out in the outback. Mm. 
Anyway, um, of course, in the United States, Islam is the third la- largest religion um, and uh, the, the biggest immigration of uh, Muslim people was between 1878 and 1924 when Ford Motor Company started hiring Syrians. They had a, apparently they had a better work ethic <laughs> or would work for cheaper wages anyway. Yeah, that, that's more It's probably more to the point. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> but there were several uh, Muslims who fought in the United States Revolution. Um, the first country to recognize the United States as a country was a Muslim country, Morocco. That was in 1777. Um, and the first iftar meal hosted in the White House was hosted by Thomas Jefferson. There's one of the founding fathers of the United States is hosting an iftar meal in the White House. I mean, these guys were a long way ahead of their time. Yeah, wow. Uh, if you come to the War of 1812 against the British, which was where the British tried to retake the American colonies, um, you had a name by the name of Balali Muhammad. Yeah, you can kind of tell he's a Muslim. <laughs> um, who raised a Georgia militia made up entirely of Muslim men. Hmm. Um, and wrote the first uh, book on Islamic, the Islamic theology book in the United States. Uh, of course, in the Civil War, there were several hundred Muslims who fought uh, on the Union side in the Civil War. And uh, Captain, Captain Moses Osman was the highest ranked out of all of those. So you've kind of got some interesting history when you compare Islam in Australia versus Islam in America. This is a religion that has existed in both of our countries for a very, very long time. And it's really only since you know the War on Terror began that it has become something that people have been afraid of. Yeah, it got a bad reputation, I suppose. Yeah, it got a bad reputation. And, you know, back in the past, everyone sort of shrugged their shoulders like, oh, they're Muslims and got on with life. Yeah. That's, that's the way they do things and that's the way we do things. Yeah, it's just another belief system. They'll do their thing. I'll keep doing my thing. No no drama, no problem. And then, of course, you know, those uh, <clears throat> those aircraft went into the Twin Towers and that was it. It was all over. And now it's like everybody's afraid. Hmm. Um, which is a bad thing. We need to, um, I think we need to get to know each other because when we get to know each other, then we can, you know, dispel a lot of the myths that are around the place, Mm. religious liberty and religious tolerance, and just simply knowing each other and becoming friends with people is such an important part of what it means to be a Christian in today's world. This is the Forbes family with These Are They. Never more, never more, they know pain. 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Joining us on the phone this morning for our monthly update from Science Magazine is editor Kent Kingston. Kent, welcome to the show. How you doing, Lyle? I'm doing great. Doing really well. Here we are, 2020. It, 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 it has we, arrived. We have, it, it has well and truly arrived, and uh, we we have... I know you said every month, but truly, we actually we're a bit slack early in the year, so we put together a January slash February edition for for early in the year, just to give us a bit of time to have a holiday and stuff. So um, this is the January slash February together edition. This okay, so that's eleven magazines for the year. Then is that right? That's right, eleven magazines for the year. We 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 give you a holiday in January. Ah, you're so generous giving us a holiday. I think I think you might be giving yourself a holiday there somewhere, Kent. Yeah, just and your just, staff just and your staff. <laughs> That's Everybody, right. uh, Every... everyone needs a break. Everyone Absolutely. needs a break. Yeah, yeah. And it's Christmas time, so yeah, fantastic. Okay, so we're first edition of 2020, which is the January slash February edition. What kind of issues are mm. we addressing in this edition? Well, we are looking. At uh, there's certainly a bit of an emphasis on love and relationships from from different points of view, and of course, you know, we have just had um, Valentine's Day, so you know, all you know, hope all the the uh, lovers and dreamers and me, as Kenneth the Frog thing, um, have you know had a great Valentine's Day. So we had a look, a bit of a look at that, not just from a romantic point of view, I, I have to say, um, but we did include a bit of a focus on romance. Um, one of my colleagues, uh, Mary Ellen Fairfax, just in her early 20s, just sort of trying to make sense of this, you know, this big world <laughs> and and relationships. So she sort of told her uh, her story of, of love and loss and, and what she learnt on the way there. And what what she found really is is that she had been deceived to a large extent um, by the, I don't know, the idealized picture of romance that we get through, you know, Hollywood movies and pop music and, and this sort of stuff. It's it's very um, superficial. It's very physical. It's um, often really unrealistic in terms of, I mean, uh, now that I've actually been involved in making a, a little bit of uh, like video and TV and that sort of stuff, it really bugs me when um, you, you're watching a, a TV show and this woman like wakes up in the morning and her hair has just 
you know, she's just stepped out of a salon, and her <laughs> uh, her, lips, her, her lipstick and mascara are in perfect, pla- you know, perfectly placed. Do you think this is ridiculous? What what woman would go to bed with her makeup and and <laughs> and wake up looking like that? Totally unrealistic. Yes, did she you know, not so move everything... all night? Was she just frozen in oh, position that's... all night? Like, oh no, my hair's going to get messed up. I can't move. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's just crazy, you know what what um, the messages we get from movies and TV and uh, about romance, you know, um, and that people are young people in particular are being put under a lot of pressure these days to have these super romantic sort of events. I mean, I, my my son is actually engaged, which is pretty far out. Congratulations. Um, but Yes, no, thank you. Thank you very much. And, you know, to, to a really lovely girl. But um, the proposal, you know, the proposal had to be in the Blue Mountains at a lookout with a photographer file, a photographer <laughs> for the proposal. Like, See, what the heck? Um, um, and this, and this, this is the way that it is for young people these days. Everything has to be sort of hyped and retouched and photoshopped, and um, that's a lot of pressure. And and that really puts pressure on young people to keep up, I guess, this unrealistic picture of who they are, what their relationship is. And, and what Mary Ellen says is, you know what, we actually lose when we do that. We lose the opportunity to be genuine and vulnerable with one another, and that is the basis of true communication true relationships and, and true love. But sorry, I, I got on a roll there. I interrupted you. What, what were you going to ask? Oh, I don't remember, but I was going... No, I was going to ask whether um, whether your whether your proposal was as spectacular as your son's proposal. <laughs> Look, we uh, we went to... Um, we, we drove up the up the hill in, in the evening. I think it was probably pitch black by then. Um, <laughs> went, Missed went, the sunset. Went to... Yeah, missed the sunset totally. Um but we went up to a hill, uh, it's called Antity Hill, that overlooks um, Adelaide. So, g'day Adelaide listeners, um, you probably know Antity Hill. So, Antity Hill is good because you get a really good view of the city there. You look like straight down Grand Junction Road and you can see all the way to Largs Bay and the, and the beach there. So, it's beautiful sort of city lights um, sort of experience. So, yeah, we like, parked the car and uh, I think there was a stile over the fence there that I'd spotted in my you know drives around the place. So, um, went over the stile and out onto the onto the hilltop and and that's where I dropped to one knee and and you know and asked her to marry me, uh, whereupon she said I'll think about it. Oh, because that's her way of main. Yes, ouch, that, that ouch. was her way. That was her way of up, up, <laughs> of maintaining the upper hand. But five minutes later, she caved in and said, Yeah, okay, yes. <laughs> she always meant to say yes. She just wanted to keep me hanging. Oh, that's so uh, awesome. Dear. Your wife is amazing. So, well done. Yeah, yeah. So that, that that was pretty special. But look, no no photographer needed. Can't remember what either of us were wearing. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, there are, is a lot of pressure on young people these days to be super romantic. You know, you see the movies, it's expensive restaurants, everyone's dressed to the nines, there's twinkling fairy lights everywhere. And it's just like, come on, you know, like, most of us are not going to be able to achieve that. And if we set our expectations at that level, we, we set ourselves up for disappointment. Um, so, yeah, Mary Ellen gives us some really good home truths that she's discovering as a, as a millennial, um, you know, sort of discovering, you know, what, real, what true love is in the 21st century. Yeah, that's fantastic. And one of the things that sort of jumps out to me that, you know, Hollywood is all about falling in love. And when it comes to love, you don't fall in love. You choose to be in love. It's a, and it's a decision that you make for the rest of your life on a daily basis. It's an ongoing thing. Um, that, you know, but anyway, 
You'll get me started on yeah, a rant well, here, Kent, if I'm not yeah, too careful. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll I'm a bit, so I don't know. I think, I think that's a false dichotomy, Lyle. I think it's a bit of both. There is an instinct to it. There is some chemistry Absolutely. to it. But Absolutely. I totally, I, I totally agree that there is willpower to it, too. There's Sometimes you have to, you know, you're really not feeling it. You actually have to make the decision to love. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I totally get where you're coming from. But look, still still on love, but in a totally different direction. We have a quite a challenging article, actually. Um basically looking at white supremacy. Um, the, the article is entitled Love or Hate. So it sort of tracks some of this, um, this awful spate of mass shootings that we've seen all over the world, you know, in, in New Zealand, obviously, um, you know, fairly recently. Um, in the US, it just seems to happen, you know, every, every month or so. Um, even in places like Norway, you know, Anders Breivik, this sort of thing. Um, you know what is going on here, and and what what is this fear that has infected so many people, and particularly um, you know those of us from an Anglo uh, background. What is going on that that so many of us feel threatened, and um, you know the the lunatic fringe feels the need to pick up a weapon and actually kill people in in defence of of their race. I mean. You know, is this actually the the way to make the world a better place? You know, hate. Um, obviously, you know the the author Harold West you know, suggests that it's it's love really um, that we where we need to be aiming at um, rather than hate. But it certainly does raise a a, a lot of uh, a lot of tricky um, issues and really asks us, particularly if if we are you know do identify as, as white people, um, it really does challenge us to really think about you know who we are. Well, what what we think what the best way is to it to achieve peace and and harmony in in our world. It does, and you know I find it challenging myself because, you know, even though I have a little bit of a ethnic background, I'm still classed as a older white Christian male, and it sort yeah. of has become a bit of a stereotype. And now that you've got a son that's yeah. engaged, I'm going to say you're older than I am. <laughs> because I don't have that yet. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Can't say too young. Look, we, we 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 got married young, and our kids are following in, the, in our footsteps, unfortunately. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, it 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 really does, um, you know, cause you to just to take pause and think. Um, and I guess one one of the places to to look for wisdom is certainly to the New Testament and and the words and the life of of Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, you might think if if you don't really know the history a whole lot that well you know he was just a religious teacher who went around telling people we should be nice to one another as um you know the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy put it um but there's really a lot more to it than that you know jesus christ was living in a situation where his nation was occupied you know by foreign forces by by the roman empire um there was violence there was ethnic hatred um you know jesus was born into the middle of that and had to deal with that and responded to that in in the way that he he dealt with people and and what he said um and he said really scary confronting things such as love your enemies you know such as turn the other cheek um i mean he you know commended some of these uh, you know oppressing roman soldiers you know the military for for their faith in some circumstances um, he, his disciples consisted of, um, you know, people who were actually collaborating with the Roman regime, um, you know, Matthew the tax collector, as well as people who came from a, a sort of 
politically radical background of wanting to um, pursue guerrilla warfare against the Romans, which, you know, Simon the Zealot. Um, so Jesus, you know, seemed to see past a lot of these categories and uh, that we put each other in and to see people as human beings. And he brought together this incredible crew of, uh, you know, disparate people um, and said, you ought to love one another. I mean, wow, that that is a real challenge. It was a challenge then, and it's still a challenge now, I think. Yeah, that's a really important article, I think, in uh, in our day and age, um, and a really important subject to discuss. And I, I love what you've done by looking at the disciples of Jesus, because yeah, you had the far left, you had the far right, you had everything in between, and uh, and yeah. some pretty radical people there. But it just goes to show that God can use radical people from both sides of the political spectrum mm. to do amazing things for Him when they come under the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's right, yeah. And, and when they when they begin to see one another as human beings um, and, and recognize that, hey, you know, there aren't that many people out there who are just inherently evil people. You know what I mean? But yes, people do end up doing awful, awful, even evil things. But usually there's something going on that's, you know, that is, is as a background to that. And if you can... If you can connect with that, connect with someone as a person, you can, it's a very humbling thing to do, a very challenging thing to do. But I think it's probably one of the steps we need to take to, you know, pursue a, a more peaceful world. Really, mm, absolutely, very good. Okay, yeah. so what else have you got? You've gone from uh, from romance to white supremacy. Ro- ro- romance which was, to white supremacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big jump. Look, big jump. All, all, yeah, all sorts of stuff. I mean, look, we've got a profile of, of a Sydney architect um, who uh, Chris Boss. Who, remember in the um, the Chinese uh, Olympics, the Olympics in China, there was that water cube um, swimming center that was um, that was constructed. He was one of the guys who constructed that. Um, he is a man from a Christian background, and he talks a, a lot about how um, looking at creation and um, you know what what God has created, recognizing the the design that's there is sort of his inspiration for for what he does in, uh, as an architect. So that's that's a really great uh, little profile there. Um, got an interesting article about um, addiction uh, and we know that you know substance abuse and, and misuse is a real issue in, in our community whether it's uh, alcohol whether it's um, you know illegal drugs it's a it's a massive issue for, for a lot of people and that this research demonstrates that when people get involved in in faith and in a church community um, and you know begin to take on that sort of a, a Christian perspective it research actually demonstrates that this is is a healing experience, and that and that people actually have a, a better chance of overcoming that addiction and um, and pursuing a um, you know a, a whole and and a healthy life. So I think that's that's incredible. Uh, we've also got a book review um, of a book by a, a woman called Anna McGann. Now she um, is an actor. I think she was actually in one of the Underbelly series, um, but she has had an, an incredible transformation in her life. Um, and she talks about that in in her book, and, and this review sort of, uh, I guess, you know, recounts uh, some of that. And again, you know, Christian faith, her encounter with Jesus has just been an incredibly uh, transformative, um, you know, moment for her. So yeah, that's look, so much great stuff. I mean, you know, we, we look at the importance of Sabbath rest. We try to delve into understanding what the Bible says about the Trinity. Um, it, it goes on and on. Um, what else do you want to know? Ah, <laughs> oh, fantastic. The only big thing we need to know, know about now, Kent, is how we can get our hands on this amazing magazine. Okay, well, it's 
pretty easy. Um, our hub is our website. Um, so if you jump online to uh, signsofthetimes.org.au, uh, you can actually read all those articles that I mentioned just then. They're there right now for you to read and to, to share with your friends via social media. Um, yeah, you can link into our Facebook and, and Twitter through the website as well, um, or just search it, you know, just search Signs of the Times. Um, I think AU, you know, sometimes might might help. Um, and you can subscribe to the magazine. There's always just hit the subscribe button if, if you love what we're doing as a magazine. Uh, because, you know what, I actually looked at the statistics yesterday. I think 72% of the magazines that go out um, are not going out to individual people who are getting it for themselves. They're actually um, being sponsored by people who really believe in the mission of the magazine and say, I want to help these magazines get out to members of the public um, to be actually distributed free to members of the public. Um, like There are science magazines at airports and... Um, you know, some people leave them in doctor surgeries. Uh, there are people running food pantries and, um, you know, these so sorts of uh, things in, in their local areas where they make science magazines available to, to members of the public. So if, if you want to help support that, to get these positive messages out to the public, to hit the donate button there, you know, choose your project, um, you know, give a monthly donation or, or even just a, a one-off donation where, you know, any way you can help is, is always gratefully received. So, yeah, that uh, website again, signsofthetimes.org.au yeah. and keep listening out on Faith FM for our, our podcast too. It uh, plays four times every week. And of course in our Maitland area where I'm based we have uh, Signs of the Times in our local shopping centre where uh, people can oh, uh, pick them up for free. So, you know, there's another idea right there. Lots of things you can do with Signs of the Times magazine as well as reading the excellent content for yourself. Kent Kingston, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for your time, I really appreciate it. That was Kent Kingston. We'll be back uh, after this song break and the 8 o'clock news. You're listening to The Breakfast. I believe for every drop of rain that falls A flower grows I believe that somewhere in the darkest night A candle glows I believe for everyone who goes astray Someone will come to show the way I believe, I believe Smallest prayer will still be heard. I believe that someone in the great somewhere hears every word. Every time I hear a newborn baby cry or touch a leaf or see the sky.
Time is short, so let's get straight to the point. If you want to change to a career in teaching, Adventist Schools Australia is offering a guaranteed employment opportunity. How? Have a bachelor degree. Enroll in a Master of Teaching at Avondale University College. Uphold the Christian ethos. This is the career change you need with the job offer you want, guaranteed. Called to be a teacher? Called to be at Avondale. Full terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Jesus is the greatest joy for me. Praise 